Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda with pundit and columnist Brian Cates. He really has a lot to say about the Hunter Biden laptop, about Spygate, about the PSYOPs in Ukraine, and so much more. So stay with us. Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. First, a breaking news update. In Shanghai, they've had extended lockdowns. They haven't let citizens uh, get food at the grocery store. And it's turned into riots, into looting, into uh, you know a lot of quarantining, separation of parents from their children. Let's take a look at the image on the screen. Uh, it really shows people are doing a silent protest instead of screaming at the top of their lungs or instead of you know posting to social media those things are illegal but it's not illegal to put an empty refrigerator on your porch and that's what people are doing to show that they are starving to death in shanghai china let's take a look at video number one that illustrates more <laughs> Just so much in that video. I thought it was interesting how he said, why are you pushing us ordinary people into rioting? You know, it, it, you know, I'm just a regular person. I have a business. You won't let me open my business. I have uh, grandparents. They're, they're alone. They don't have enough to eat. Uh, I need to pay my mortgage. You know, what do you expect me to do? I'm just an ordinary person trying to survive and you're pushing me to the brink. Uh, and this is part of China's zero uh, COVID zero policy. Um, and so this is 
how we felt during our extended lockdowns. Luckily, they're lifting in much of the West, but in China, uh, they're not keeping their promise apparently for opening up on April 5th. And many people are driven to looting grocery stores. Uh, they say they're not having enough to eat. It's, it's amazing to see. Let's take a look at the next clip. How dystopian is that to have policemen in full hazmat gear on a speaker phone, uh, on a loudspeaker, yelling out, hey, you in the apartment number 24, uh, you need to delete the subversive comments you made against the pandemic response. You know, this is, you think that we're better in the West? We're not, because Twitter is exactly the same. This is just on a different uh, spectrum of the timeline here. But Twitter, if you call a uh, transgendered person, a biological male, for example, they will freeze your accounts. And until you recant, they won't allow you back into the public square. You know, how is that any different from uh, communist China? So that's what we can look forward to if we don't do something about it. Let's take a look at the next clip. In China, they've invested in mobile hospitals and some people, when they're quarantined, get a whole cell or a hospital bed to themselves. But apparently in parts of China, with lack of resources and crowding, they're resorting to putting people in tiny cardboard boxes that look like uh, they're putting them in a coffin. And it makes you stop and wonder, is the response worse than the so-called pandemic? When you dehumanize people like this, when you separate children from their, their parents, when you put people in cardboard boxes, uh, is it really worth it? We're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we can get the insight from Brian Cates, pundit and political columnist, as we get back. Hello everyone, this is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. In early 2021, a short squeeze in silver was initiated. What does this mean? It means that individual investors can take advantage of a global supply shortage in silver that the large money center banks will have to end their contracts with physical delivery of an asset that is becoming scarce to non-existent. Low supply plus high demand will cause prices to increase rapidly. The only way 
to take advantage of a short squeeze is to own physical silver. Call my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, over there at Sovereign Advisors. They have over 27 years experience identifying these trends so you can maximize your returns while at the same time minimizing your risk. Call them today before prices go up any further. 720-605-3900. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax-deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate-free and can provide an income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing choosing which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's a Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We are here with Brian Cates. He is a political pundit and columnist. He's written for Uncovered DC, the Epoch Times, and he has his own Substack, The Rise of the New Media. Welcome to the show, Brian. What, is, what are your thoughts? What went through your mind when you saw those clips? Hi, son. Thanks for having me back. Well, when I see those clips, my heart just breaks for the ordinary people of uh, Shanghai. And what they're going through in China right now is just terrific. And, you know, uh, every, what I take away from those clips is these are not the actions of a sane or rational government. Uh, this pandemic, this virus, is the, 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 the mortality rate is, is not very large at all. It's the response is way out of proportion to the actual threat. So there's something in play here that we don't see. There's got to be something that's driving the government in China to do this, to, to go to this extreme that, that just isn't really called for. Um, that's my takeaway from watching that. They're, they're vastly overreacting to the virus. Right. The, the reaction is very, very harsh. And there are people that believe that what China is doing is responding to a threat that's not actually public, which is that this is a bioweapon and that it's, it, it can maybe uh, target ethnicities. It can maybe, uh, you know, be a lot worse than what they're releasing. And maybe down the line, it'll get worse. And so they're reacting appropriately, but they're not telling people exactly. And there are others, and, and this I guess that you are one of them, uh, that believe that this is more about control than about health. Well, it's been a despotic regime for decades, so I don't have any problem believing they're doing this so they can have more control over their citizens. Um, about the theory, this might be a, a different kind of virus. It's not really the covid we're familiar with. It's just something new. Okay, well, that's the problem when you're dealing with a, with a regime like the one in Beijing. They, uh, it's a closed society. They, they do not share information. And uh, what they do tell you is often a lie. So it's just very hard to get a real sense of what's going on there. We, we see what's going on on the outside, on the surface. And, you know, none of it makes any sense. 
So, yeah, we, we're driven to speculate what might be going on behind the scenes because the, the reactions of, you know, locking people in their apartments, they're literally starving to death. You know, it's just from what we can see about the COVID virus, if this is the COVID virus and not something that's new, this is just way out of proportion to the actual threat. So there, my, my take is there's something going on here that we can't see. Well, there are some people that believe that with the Chinese uh, country's demographics and have an aging population that are going to tax the system a lot, that there is a depopulation agenda to try to get rid of that liability so that the government doesn't have to pay for retirees. Um, you know, there are other people that just believe this is about money. You know, in the West, at least, Big Pharma's made millions and billions off of this. So what are some of the motives that, that you go through in your mind to try to figure out what would motivate this, this type of uh, lockdown? Well, if they're trying to do a cheap form of genocide, they're trying to target the elderly so they don't have to spend any money on them. They're basically, you know, when you have the, the genocide of the past, like the Holocaust and the Armenian genocide, you have to transport people. They had to. They had to. Uh, you had to invest in um, resources to transport people from point A to point B. The camps where they were. They were then systematically eliminated. Okay. Well, if this is what China's trying to do here. They're trying to get eliminate the whole transportation thing. They're just trying to starve people to death in their own homes. And it's, uh, it's radically different from any anything that's been tried before. So if this is what they're trying to do, they're trying to uh, eliminate certain segments of their own society um, through a sheltering, I guess you could call it sheltering place genocide, I guess. Um, I don't I don't see it being being very effective. Like that guy that you showed in the first clip, absolutely he's had enough. When you starve people to, to that point, uh, they become desperate. They become uncontrollable. So yes. if that's and there's the another epidemic here, in, in China um, right now, the suicides are at really high rates. It's a crisis level in, in China. People, uh, there were other videos that I chose not to show of people in Shanghai throwing themselves out the windows to their death. They were choosing to, to kill themselves rather than starve to death. Um, the separation of children from their parents is also very disturbing uh, because this is reminiscent of other types of genocides and, and, and types of dehumanizing practices by governments in the past. I, uh, I used to work in China teaching English there, and I never removed my name from the U.S. State Department, so I keep getting alerts. Uh, for Americans who are in China. And I got an alert today that said, uh, we're you know, providing emergency uh, transport for Americans to get out of Shanghai because they're separating. Uh, you could have your children separated from you. So uh, any thoughts? Well, when you start breaking up family units, that's serious. I can understand why they put out an alert for that. If this is like a low-grade attempt at genocide, it's a low-grade attempt to put more control. If I, I see it backfiring um, when 
when you take, uh, they, there was also some clips, I heard there were clips, I haven't seen any, but I've heard about them, of them taking pets away from people and killing the pets, their dogs, out on the street. Uh, but when you start doing this to people, uh, I realize uh, the Chinese people have been through a lot the last few decades. But if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, you'll drive them to a point like that guy in that first clip. Yeah, some people will just break. They'll kill themselves. But you'll also have plenty of people that will say, I've had enough of this. I don't care. Like that guy said, I don't care anymore. He's ready to go fight, you know. And so this is this is very unusual to me if they're trying to pursue this type of a, of a control of genocide policy. They're literally going to drive... Uh, hundreds of thousands of Chinese under open resistance. That's how I do Yeah, that is a huge risk, uh, you know, and uh, it makes you wonder if that something positive could come out of this, if, if a regime change is necessary there. Uh, but yeah, people are looting grocery stores. I saw videos of uh, just people just throwing food to, to crowds of, of people. And they, they weren't like all young people who are just bandits. It was like elderly people, just every kind of regular person there just obviously having a food shortage and needing food. Um, and I have heard reports of the pets being euthanized. I saw pictures of, uh, once again, I didn't even want to show this today. It was so disturbing, but I saw pictures of dozens of cats in, in bags uh, just laying there on the street. Yeah, uh, so yeah, when you take people out of their apartment, when you put them in a quarantine camp, uh, you know, uh, and you don't allow people to communicate with their relatives to take care of the pets, they think it's easier to kill the pets. I heard a, a wife saying, what the starving person doesn't care about your gun. And that's, that's, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna starve people and try to break up their family units, they're, what they're gonna end up pushing people to the point that they're literally not gonna care about the authorities having the guns. I mean, desperate people do desperate things. And if they keep pushing this- Right, if, you're, if you're willing to throw yourself from a from an apartment building, you're prob probably willing to go against uh, these bureaucrats because not a lot of them even have guns. You know, A lot of times it's just people with a loudspeaker or it's a drone with a loudspeaker and uh, they're just has an impression uh, that there's a, a large task force, but actually the people outnumber uh, the government bureaucrats by a hundred or or a thousand to one. Uh, so so eventually, hopefully, they'll realize they are the majority and they can have their freedom. Um, but you know, what did you think about the comparison between the policemen saying you need to delete your your anti-government comments on the WeChat group? Compared to on Twitter, if you say something against COVID policies, uh, they'll freeze your account and force you to recant to get your access back. Totalitarians are the same the world over. It doesn't matter if they're Chinese or if they're running a social media app here in the West. They're censors, they want to control language, they, they, they want to tightly control what people are allowed to say. And so it was kind of comical watching those guys. Like you said, that, 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 hey, you want appointment number 64, and you need to edit that WeChat right now, you know. Um, but yeah, you, like, you're making a valid point. We have that here in, uh, in the West. Um, 
Twitter staff was always looking over people's shoulders. I'm looking over your shoulders, seeing what you're saying. Uh, and I've known for a long time, they go into the direct messages or the DMs. They're reading all the DMs there. You don't have any privacy on Twitter at all. And so, uh, totalitarians are the same the world over. It's in China, they want to rigidly control what people say. And it, it's here in the West. And people, and it, it's sad, I think a lot of people have gotten used to it. They've gotten used to saying, you know, I wonder if I should say this, they're self-censoring themselves because they know they're being whacked. Somebody's looking over their shoulders. And it's, uh, I think it's an intolerable situation. That's a good that's point. And that's I'm, hard to measure. I'm glad I'm on true social now. It, it, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait to get on True Social and interact with you there. You're, you're, you have epic threads, as does your, your brother, Dwayne Cates. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, people are self-censoring. That's for sure. People are afraid to express themselves freely. And that's very hard to measure. It's easy to measure when you and I get kicked off of Twitter. We know how many accounts got kicked off, but how many millions of people decided to, to type one thing instead of another in order to get, uh, you know, uh, a lack of um, blowback from Twitter or their peer group or whomever. Uh, even people are worried about the, the human resources of their corporation, whether they're going to lose their job or, or something like that. Uh, but Elon Musk, you know, they re he recently bought like 9.2% of Twitter. He was going to join the board. Now the news is that he's not going to join the board, which means he can buy more of Twitter and he can uh, perhaps do a hostile takeover of Twitter. He certainly said he's a free speech absolutist and you have been tracking his type of kind of white hat moves with Starlink and everything. So I'm going to ask you about that. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to ask you all about Elon Musk. So stay with us. Government induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates and political instability. They all have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. They can also cause gold and silver to go up. There's a time to be in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and there's a time to get out. This is the time to hold gold and silver. Kirk Elliott, double PhD, has been protecting individual Americans' assets for more than two decades. Hi, I'm Kirk Elliott. There's no such thing as a bad investment. There's only bad timing for investments. And now is the time to own gold and silver. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, a 401k, and of course, outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets. Please call 720-605-3900. 720-605-3900 for gold, silver, and undeniable economic protection against out-of-control government. White Hat Moves, recently Elon Musk did provide a free Starlink terminal to the country of Ukraine. People said that they... He should be censoring Russia. And he said, no, I'm a free speech absolutist. And then he bought 9.2% of Twitter. So, Brian, uh, what are your thoughts about Elon Musk? What are some of the things he's done uh, that you believe points to the idea that he has a, a plan for free speech worldwide? Well, my take is after watching the developments over the past week is that uh, you're watching one of the greatest slow-rolling trolls in history. Uh, Elon Musk is trolling Twitter. He went out and bought 9.2% of their stock, and then they they tried to, they talked him into, hey, you want to come join our board? And I think we, uh, he knew when he joined the board, it was announced that in the press release when, they were, when he was going to join the board, 
That means he's limited. He can't buy more than, I think it was 14% of the stock. He can't buy more than 14% if he becomes a board member. And then lo and behold, the very next day, uh, the deal has fallen through. He will not be joining Twitter's board after all. This means he can buy as much stock as he wants. And I've been I've been thinking for some time now, you know, uh, with Starlink um, is, is, uh, is this new ISP. It's a satellite-based ISP. It's a system that completely avoids all these uh, gatekeepers here and the oath-bound networks like Google, Yahoo, um, uh, Amazon Web Services, all these things. It, it avoids all of that. And so, like you said, he said he, he would. He said I am an, a free speech absolutist. He was asked to kick Russia off his Starlink service. He wouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, he said, I think he said something like, "I'll do it when you point a gun at my head." Um, I am a free speech absolutist. So now he's he's making moves on Twitter, and um, and people are watching this. I, I believe it's obvious what he's doing is trolling them. He bought the stock, he wanted to join the board, and all of a sudden he pulled back. Now he can buy as much stock as he wants. So it's kind of, I, I think it's obvious what the play is here. He's just playing with them, you know, like a, like a cat bats a mouth around before he eats it. Um, so it's going to be well, interesting. Well, yeah, he, uh, you know, when he bought the 9.2%, when he bought the first stake, the price went up by 40%. Uh, so it was a really good financial move for him to buy that that stake. And then when he announced he's not joining the board, the stock went down by 6 or 7% immediately. So it seems like Elon Musk controls the price of Twitter stock now. How important is that, right? I think it went back up by now. I think it went back up a little bit since, since that drop. Uh, well, let me check this real quick. I think since that drop, it, it went up another uh, two or three dollars this morning. Uh, let me find it real quick. Yeah, uh, Twitter is now forty-seven seventy-two. It's gone up a dollar forty-nine in the last hour and a half. So yeah, it did a drop right at the open, but it's starting to make a comeback. So like, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting watching this. I, I, I said on my Telegram, "Oh, this is going to be an interesting week." Uh, now that uh, when, when in a span, I think it was less than twenty-four hours, he's joining the board. No, I'm saying he's not joining the board, and this is the guy. He's the world's richest man, you know. How, he's he's worth something like two hundred billion, you know. In, investing three or four billion just to mess with Twitter is nothing for him. And he's got Starlink, and uh, this just opens up possibilities. I've been talking about how I believe he and Trump did a deal. It's no accident that on Trump's watch during Trump's term in office, Elon Musk became the Department of Defense's largest contractor. And he got SpaceX all kinds of juicy uh, government contracts for launching. He's not just launching his SpaceX, his own SpaceX stuff, his own Starlink stuff. He's launching stuff for the government, too. So I believe... He did a deal with Trump to get a trade-off, and uh, we could be watching with this Twitter thing going on right now. I mean, this is happening the month right after True Social launches. All of a sudden, Elon Musk is making all these moves, and it's shaking things up. 
I believe this could be part of the deal that he made with Donald Trump. Yeah, that's not too far-fetched when you consider the video clip where Donald Trump says, you know, we help Elon Musk and he helps us. <laughs> you know, that was pretty in your face. Uh, but you've also had uh, these other billionaires trying to do things in space and they have been failing. Um, I believe Mark Zuckerberg tried to do some satellite-based stuff and somehow it all failed. Uh, and uh, perhaps they were shot down. I mean, th there could be all kinds of moves happening in the background. We don't know the real story. We only hear the cover story. But Jeff Bezos has not been successful with Virgin Galactic. He's been uh, trailing uh, Elon Musk. But, you know, Elon Musk is not just a Twitter investor. He's also possibly the most popular person on social media, right? He's not just the richest guy in the world. If he goes to visit the military, he gets a way better response from the crowd than Joe Biden, the supposed president of the United States. So Elon Musk is a social media titan. He's a rock star and he's funny and he's just addicting to follow on social media. That's a very powerful in itself, isn't it? Yeah, he knows how to use Twitter. I mean, I said, next to Donald Trump is probably one of the most people that's been the most effective and using Twitter to troll people, you know. Like right after he bought that controlling interest, he comes out and says, uh, he, he put out a tweet, he put out a tweet on Twitter, something to the effect of, should I turn Twitter headquarters into a homeless shelter because nobody ever shows up anyway, you know. And then after that, he put up another tweet uh, about, um, I, think, I think it was some famous... Uh, vulture capitalist, Carl Icahn or somebody fired 12 floors worth of people. And somebody, oh, excuse me, somebody else posted that. Remember, Carl Icahn fired 12 floors worth of people. And so Elon Musk drops in to a, a response. Exactly. You know, and so <laughs> I can just picture, picture people watching. Well, yeah, that's a little watching. hint. Uh, that, that's a pretty obvious hint uh, that a hostile takeover could be in the works. But the thing is, when when Elon Musk trolls, it's not just for giggles. I mean, he really follows through on some of these threats. For example, he said that uh, he did a poll and said, hey, this poll is important. Do you think that we should do something about, you know, Twitter and free speech? And then people responded. And then he bought 9.2%. He spent $3 billion. So, I mean, he says it was because of the poll, but, you know. He probably had that in the works because he knew what the answer to the poll would be. Yes, he, he also said that he he will uh, wrestle Vladimir Putin and whoever wins gets Ukraine. And this thing about the homeless shelter, he said he's serious, that he will literally try to help turn uh, Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco into a homeless shelter. And with San Francisco and all these Democratic policies, it, there's a crisis of homelessness there. And so it's not too far-fetched to think that that could actually help and he could get that done. And he has been trolling leftist politicians, uh, you know, right and left uh, all over the place. It's like he is political, right? He's a political figure and he does it through jokes, but they're very effective. Yeah, I think... People make a mistake when they try to stick Elon Musk in a box. He's a conservative. He's a liberal. You know, he's a he's a Republican. He's a Democrat. I think he probably he's probably more of a libertarian than anything else. And uh, he he's he's whip smart. 
done. He got he didn't get where he is by being dumb. He's somebody that that a very very probably one of the most genius venture capitalists we've ever had that sees a, a market opportunity and gets actually gets there ahead of it. Like when he created what became PayPal, and all of a sudden he could see the need for that. And then Tesla, and then moving on to SpaceX. And so he's been he's been very successful because he's very intelligent. And so when uh, when he talked about politics, uh, well, he's the world's richest man. He's, I don't think he never intends to run for office. He doesn't need to pander to anybody. He can go ahead and, and, and say what he thinks and not trying to get invited to any party. He's not trying. He's not trying to stuck up the politicians, hoping that they'll like him. You know, he's already the world's richest man. These, these people in Washington D.C. Or, or wherever they have nothing that he needs. He's essentially like in the same position Donald Trump was in when he ran for president. Uh, Trump didn't need anything from the lobbyists. He didn't need anything from the D.C. establishment. And Elon Musk is the same way. That's why he can he control. He's an equal opportunity uh, offender. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and he's made friends with the Babylon Bee, and you know they use satire to make very powerful political statements. Uh, and he did an interview with them, so he's he is. Uh, like I said, a very influential figure in politics, despite not being a politician. Uh, so I wanted to get to your perspective on the more images coming out related to Hunter Biden and his niece and uh, and what this could mean for how this unfolds, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I'm going to find out um, what, what, what could happen. How could people wake up uh, to to you know the great reset and, and, and the dark agenda through the Hunter Biden laptop as soon as we get back. Hello everyone, this is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Now did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate-free and can provide an income you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. We are back with Brian Cates. Brian, I was just asking you about the Hunter Biden laptop. How could this unfold? How can it wake people up? Uh, what are the legal implications? You've been really following the story closely. And I want to get specifically your ideas about the allegations related to Hunter and his niece. Well, son, this is a story that is building. Um, as we all know, when the Hunter Biden laptop story first broke in October of 2020, there was a massive censorship regime that instantly descended on the entire country. Uh, they they banned the New York Post. They they. They, uh, they kept, you couldn't discuss it on Twitter. They immediately they tried to write down all communications about it. And it's just amazing. About two weeks ago, all of a sudden, all of these media outlets that, had, that engaged in this censorship and, and dismissing the story for about 14 months 
and just the span of less than one week, they all did a 180-degree turn and started started trying you know, to get out ahead of some things that I think are coming. They, they realized they can't keep saying the laptop isn't real. They can't keep saying that the, the information on it is not accurate. They, and they, they need to get their audience ready for this. So after 14 months of saying, oh, it's just Western disinformation, you had the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, CBS, all suddenly saying, actually, the laptop is Israel. And boy, the Bidens, the Bidens have some problems here. That's some major problems with what's on that laptop. Yeah, it turns out Jim Biden got all these millions of dollars from the Russians. And that, that payment to Hunter Biden from the uh, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow, they have to happen. They're starting to admit all these things now. And I've been, I've been saying uh, they're, they're doing this because they have to. They're not doing it because they want to. They do it because they have to get out ahead of something. And it, it hasn't happened yet. Whatever warning they got, whatever shot across the bow they got behind the scenes, um, it, it, it took them about a week to do the complete reversal. And so now we're waiting to see what is it that's going to drop. They already know something's coming. It hasn't dropped yet, but I believe it's coming. And some people like Peter Schweizer and... Um, Cass Patel and some others, they think Hunter Biden's going to be indicted. They think some indictments are coming out of that federal investigation, which has, which has been going on since 2018. They think some indictments are about to hit. Yeah, so we've got possible indictments for Hunter Biden for various crimes. Uh, could be uh, tax evasion at the very least, and it could be a lot more related to you know the foreign business dealings. What about uh, his other family members? What about his father? What about his uncle? You know, are, are there other people implicated? You mentioned his uh, uncle, uh, I believe, but uh, how could Joe Biden be implicated? What are the various crimes that, that could be on that on that laptop? Okay. One thing we need to remember, we, we went over this a lot during the Mueller Special Counsel, okay? Is it possible to indict a sitting president? Okay, this question was exhaustively discussed uh, about whether or not Robert Mueller was going to indict Donald Trump while he was president. And Mueller himself, when he went before Congress, he testified it's the, the procedure of the Department of Justice will say you cannot indict a sitting president. Can't do it. So, I would say that um, there could be a, a massive scandal will hit the Biden family. It will include Joe Biden. Uh, Hunter Biden will, I, is going to be indicted. I believe his brother Jim will be indicted. A lot of their close business associates like Devin Archer and some of these Chinese guys are going to be indicted. Um, and it's not just tax evasion uh, here. It's not just the fact that Hunter was the family bag man and he's getting all these millions of dollars from China and uh, um, uh, Ukraine and all these other places. It's not just that he's not reporting that income. It's that he is he's acting as a, a foreign a foreign bribery clearinghouse. There's all kinds of foreign agents registration act violations in play here, or what they call FARA violations. 
no, but it's the same type of thing they were going to hit General Flynn with, and they they're hitting some of General Flynn's business partners with fire violations, like uh, Bajian Rafikian, and uh, you can't out the tent because they're all being hit with fire violations, and so that's in play here, and so uh, so what's going to happen here is when this massive scandal hits, it's definitely going to harm Joe Biden. It's going to harm him in the polls. So when the American public wakes up, even say, well, bought the, the lies being told by the media, this was just Western disinformation. All of a sudden, when you have the Department of Justice saying, actually, no, these crimes actually happened. These bribes actually changed hands. The money actually was never reported. Tax evasion happened. Bribery happened. Corrupting happened. They have the Department of Justice saying that. We have the U.S. Attorney for Delaware saying that. We have a grand jury that returned the indictment saying that. So the narrative that this isn't anything, this is no scandal, okay, that's gone at that point. You can't, you cannot maintain that narrative anymore. And so Joe Biden is already in a very weak position. I don't know if you noticed this. He's been dropping in the polls. Uh, things are getting tough, tough out there for Americans. So gas is going up to like six dollars a gallon. Inflation is out of control. Biden's narrative the, the term. Everything he touches into a disaster. He's uh, he's polling in the in the in some some uh, some places they put him at forty percent, but you know he's a lot lower than that. He's, he's probably in the twenties at this point. Okay, now this is the perfect time for a massive scandal to hit the the Biden family. It it will it will certainly damage uh, Hunter Biden and Jim Biden and the business associates, but I don't see any way Joe Biden politically survives a massive scandal at this point. I believe it will take, it will take his administration down. So basically, you know, Joe Biden, at the very least, Hunter Biden will be, serve as the scapegoat so that all the blame can be cast on so that uh, everyone else can, can wash their hands. Uh, but it could include the blowout, okay. could, as you say, include Joe Biden as well, that leaves Kamala Harris as the president. Um, you know, so I want to get your thoughts on on that. You know, she's got just as bad of polling numbers. She has no public support. So how does she survive as president? And uh, and tell me about besides the legal ramifications. What about the cultural ramifications? If Americans learn that Hunter Biden was committing incestuous acts of rape. Uh, you know, to a minor, uh, how, how could that, that kind of thing shock and wake up the American public? When all this comes out, it's not just going to take out the Biden family. I mean, I think the whole administration is going to crumble. Kamala Harris won't be president. I don't think she even wants the job. Uh, something extraordinary is going to have to happen because uh, the entire administration is just going to collapse. And something you have to have some people step in and maybe run a temporary government until an election can be held. But uh, like what you're saying there, the, the stuff that's on that laptop, when it all comes out, it is sickening. Uh, everybody focuses, a lot of people focus just on the financial stuff, the political stuff, the bribery, the corruption. There. There's other things that are on that laptop that are just beyond description. You know, we had. Uh, five years of a news media telling us how sick the Donald Trump family was, how awful Don Jr. is, 
Vanka uh, is a is is a horrible person. Eric Junior is terrible. You know, Melania is a nude model. That, 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 that you know, she, she's a, basically a slut. They spent five years saying this stuff. All right, and it was all lies. All of that was lies. Now you have the Biden family in the White House. And none of this crap that Hunter Biden's been doing is a secret. It's just that they, it's like they, they've been able to cover it over, paper it over, and, and fix it so they don't have to deal with it. Okay, but when this scandal hits, when Hunter Biden gets indicted and all this other stuff comes out, not just the political corruption in the broad, but the fact that what you said, the incest, the, uh, the, uh, the sexual stuff, uh, you know, uh, Don Jr. has been saying for years, man, if I did one-tenth of what Hunter Biden did, it'd be national needs, you know. Hunter Biden was a crack addict. He's going on uh, drug and sex uh, binges that lasted for weeks in these Whitsy Hotel. It was it was an open secret. Everybody knew about it. And uh, he, he, he actually filmed himself doing some of this stuff. And he saved the film, the video, on the laptop, and uh, there, there was no surviving this. That family, the, the Biden family, when people see, uh, because it will come out, Joe Biden knew about this. Joe Biden yeah. knew what Hunter was doing. He knew what Hunter was doing with his niece. He knew what Hunter was doing with all these prostitutes. He knew about all the drugs Hunter was taking. Okay, so he knows all of this, and he covers it up. So when it comes out that this is the kind of family that the Biden family is, politically, they will not survive it. That's that's uh, Brian Cates take on that. And it, it makes sense to me. Uh, they're going to have to figure out who to put in there if Kamala doesn't want the job. Uh, but this is all good news for conservatives. You know, I mean, it, it's it's the destruction of one thing and something else has to take its place. And people are also waking up about election integrity or lack thereof. Let's talk about True the Vote, 2,000 Mules, all the people who were caught on camera, uh, ballot stuffing in the mail-in drop boxes. Uh, how important is this to pay attention to? Okay, here's the great thing about the, the True the Vote uh, clandestine operation, which they are now rolling out, and it, it, which is also going to be featured in an upcoming documentary film by Denise D'Souza called uh, 2,000 Mules. What's great about this is uh, they didn't have to ask anybody's permission to do this, okay? They didn't end up sitting around for months waiting for a state senate to tell them, yeah, okay, you can buy that cell phone GPS tracking data, go ahead. They didn't need to wait for permission to do that. They didn't have to get permission from uh, local law enforcement to begin shifting through those, those 10 trillion uh, cell phone signal that they purchased. They didn't need any permission from a judge. Yeah, okay, you can identify the 138 ballot stuffing mules in Wisconsin that visited the drop boxes in that state 3,465 times um, during the early voting period, not on election day, during the early voting period, okay? They didn't have to ask the judge uh, a, a corrupt county politician or a, a corrupt local DA, a damn thing. They, 
They they did this all on their own. They didn't sit around waiting for anybody to give them permission to do it, which is exactly, of course, the problem we've run into with the audit movement. We were told for a year, audits were the way to go. We need full forensic audits in all of these states and all of these corrupt counties. And so we had one. We had one in, in Maricopa, and it took six months just to get that thing off the ground. The Maricopa Board of Supervisors fought tooth and claw, scorched oath strategy. They still haven't given over the machines. They still won't give over the, the logs. Okay, they're still fighting every step of the way. So we were told it had to be audits. It had to be audits. Okay, and it's obvious it's now April of uh, 2022. It's obvious we're not going to get audits done in all these states and towns. We're certainly not by the midterm this year. We're certainly not. We may get a, a couple more done by 2024. I still hope so. But uh, it became clear the audits went out the civil board where people were saying they were. And then right out of left field, because uh, they, had, they hadn't told anybody what they were doing, two of the votes suddenly rolled out this investigation that they did on their own. And I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. They bypassed all of the roadblocks that the audience faced. They went, they went around the, the corrupt county officials, the corrupt local law enforcement, and the courts. And they did it on their own. And and now that they're making the case, they're not going to the courts. They're not going to the county officials. They're going to the public. They're going straight to the public. That's why Dennis D'Souza is releasing this new film in 250 new, uh, theaters all across the country on May 2nd. Because he's taking the case straight to the people. And it's the people that are going to take it to the corrupt officials. It's the people that are going to take it to the, the local law enforcement, it's the people that are going to take it to the courts. It's just amazing what we can do with uh, open source information, just publicly available information. Uh, they collected all that self, cell phone tracking signals, and they could tell that people were doing ballot trafficking. And this is, this is evidence. This is admissible in a court of law. So uh, this is amazing yeah. that you know, True the Vote did this, and it's a nice example to get our brains thinking that way that we don't need to rely on these certain institutions to produce the evidence that we need to to show these things so uh, this is going to be powerful film from Dinesh D'Souza I'm sure on Truth Social when everyone's on there it's really going to spread virally and uh, you know as the destruction of the Biden administration happens. All seems to be timed together at the same time for people to wake up regarding, regarding election integrity and then to have the, the red wave in the midterms. So I'm feeling very positive about that. Let's talk, but we're running out of time, but I wanted to get your perspective on the psyops in Ukraine, the, the, um, you know, the, the United States, uh, Europe, Ukraine, they're, they're putting out these allegations that Russia is committing war crimes uh, and they put out pictures and they were non-verified. They just started putting out these videos and pictures of corpses on the street. And so uh, did you dig into this uh, evidence? Did you look into it for yourself and, and uh, any, any other updates regarding uh, the Russian-Ukrainian conflict? Well, I've been following the, the conflict since we talked about 
And yes, there were allegations and some videos of what it was purported to be Russian atrocities. But I also saw the the, uh, the counter video. There was one where they, they showed, they only showed you brief looks at some of these corpses that they drive by. But you can actually see one of these guys moving his hand, lifting his hand up. And, uh, you know, some of it just looks very, very uh, shaky. You know, this has been a conflict where, um, the Ukrainian side's been caught using video game footage more than once, trying to pass it off as the uh, actual, you know, footage from from the conflict itself. And uh, all kinds of strange things are happening. You see uh, Zelensky come out to 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 make a statement, and it's obvious he he's uh, he's in front of a green screen. If you know how, if you know what to look for, it's obvious it's a green screen behind him. And, uh, and he's making statements that he he was in Kiev all this time. I knew he wasn't in Kiev. Uh, no. So there's all kinds of weird things going on. Um, one of the biggest things that makes me believe that a lot of these reports about Western atrocities need to be questioned is that the Russians spent a lot of time uh, trying to set up agreements with the Ukrainian side to set up evacuation corridors so the civilians can leave some of these uh, conflict areas. Um, if if uh, Putin just wanted to carpet bomb the whole country and take it over and just send in the arm or roll over everything, he could do that in a heartbeat. He hasn't done it. So it makes no sense to spend all this time negotiating an evacuation corridor and letting the civilians out, and then you shell the civilians and you shoot the civilians while they're leaving. Okay, it doesn't make any sense for the Russians to do that. But there is a side in this thing, okay, there is a player in this thing, the Nazi battalions, the, the extreme right-wing battalions, that have, have a history of shooting civilians. They have a history of uh, war atrocities. They've seen the videos. They set up an artillery right next to residential areas and schools. And so uh, that's why uh, I don't think anything that's coming out of that theater should be taken at face value. Everything needs to be questioned and examined carefully. There's so much propaganda and probably on both sides, you know, that is, this is an information war as well. It's not just a, a kinetic conflict. Uh, but yes, you know, I, I've seen some of these videos that show some of the, the victims wearing uh, a white ribbon around their themselves, which is supposed to indicate that they're sympathetic to Russia. So why would Russia kill a civilian who is sympathetic to them? Uh, and the Nazis in Ooh, Ukraine right. do have a reputation for using uh, civilians as shields, maybe not uh, in some cases, uh, you know, certainly they could be killing civilians directly. But like you said, if they set up, uh, you know, right next to a civilian area, school or residential area, then they're using civilians as shields. I got a, a, uh, a picture montage from somebody. I cannot verify it, but he did make a good point. He showed many of these bodies lying on the ground with a white bandage on them. And he showed in a red trunk of how right next to them they all have the Russian humanitarian aid food boxes showing that these people had accepted aid from the Russians. And so it's very likely that when the, the Azov battalion people came by and they saw these people with 
and had that they had accepted food from the Russians. This could have been retaliation. Could be. It absolutely could be. Now Russia food. has a put out official statements denying war crimes, and it could be the case where Ukraine is projecting, uh, you know, onto Russia what they themselves are doing. That is a tactic uh, that, that people use. Uh, but, you know, Russia and China have demanded answers from the U.S. government about their biological activity. They, you know, Russia went to the U.N. Security Council. They put out some preliminary evidence. Uh, both Russia and China have de been demanding more answers and and, and US, the U.S. has just been saying, no, it's all a lie, you know. So, so are you expecting more to develop from this, that there could be additional evidence presented? Uh, you know, how could this play out? Well, I don't see at this point Russia coming up with some sort of uh, magic bullet that just Next to you and say, oh my God, you're right. We apologize. You've been telling the truth all, all, all this time. Uh, Putin's been complaining about the uh, biolabs since 2014. Okay. And he's kept up his complaints in the last couple of years. He complained about the atrocities that the, the Nazi uh, National Guard were committing in the Donbass region. Every time he complained, the UN, the EU, the US State Department all said, uh, quit making that up. You know, they completely right. they completely dismissed any everything he said, you know. And so my 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 take is Putin tried diplomacy for eight years, ever since twenty fourteen, he tried diplomacy with these people. And he just got the cold shoulder, he got the run around. Now he actually invaded, okay. I don't see the UN changing its stance on the US on, on the biorabs in the current. They're not gonna change their stance on that no matter what evidence um, Putin comes up with. We have to settle for Putin rendering the biorabs inoperable. Whatever they were planning on doing with those rabs. Whatever yes, I had in that, those that labs, could be, it could when you overlay when you overlay the invasion, uh, the map of the invasion over where the biolabs are, it's uh, pretty uncanny. Thank you for joining us, Brian Cates, Rise of the New Media on Substack. Uh, God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. Thank you.